0: Would you join me in a word of prayer before we have a quick talk? Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, um, I've been asked a couple times today if I'm nervous, and uh, yes, I'm nervous. I get nervous every Sunday, though, Um, and that's just the way it is. Uh, It's kind of normal for me to be nervous before I speak, Um, and as I get older, I'm finding I I stutter a little bit more. I think it's just my brain slowing down or something. but I've uh, been reading a lot this past week about skepticism and skeptics. Skeptics about the resurrection. Skeptics about uh, life after death. Um, I think it's habit of mine. Every Easter, I seem to gravitate towards people who don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, probably because it's such a different idea than how I was raised and what I've always thought about the resurrection. Uh, like many of you know, uh, I grew up in church, and uh, I actually was going to church be- before I was born. My mom drugged me there uh, in utero. And uh, like the week after I was born, we were there, and we were there three times that week, and ever since then um, was always at church. And so I honestly have a really boring testimony Um, sometimes I wish I had some more excitement in my life that I could say, and God saved me. But, uh, really what he did was save me from a lot of dumb decisions because knowing me, I would have made a lot. Um, and by the way, I've made a lot, uh, just not, you know, as dumb as could be probably. And, uh, but I've always believed that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Uh, it's always been something that, uh, made sense to me. It's always something that was taught to me. It's always something that has been there in my life. And because of that, it's influenced my, my, my way of life, how I see the world, how I see other people, how I experience being a pastor and uh, watching people go through suffering and pain and trials. I'm a little bit different than this man named philosopher Stephen Case, Stephen Case is a British philosopher, and he wrote a book in 2012 called Immortality. (laughs) Be careful you don't say immorality. Uh, Immortality. And in the book, he argues that there are four stories that we tell ourselves about death. There are four stories that... Every society, every individual in every single society has told themselves about death, about life after death. You know, you are headed for a personal apocalypse, right? Yeah, that's bad news. All of us will die. In fact, I was reading just this past week that every eight years, your chance of death increases by half. And so, if you're 25 years old, you have a 1 in 3,000 chance of death. And then, eight years later, my math's terrible. What is that, 33? You have a 1 in 1,500 chance of death. And it just continues to decline and decline. For some of you, that's really bad news. If you reach 100, you have a 1 in 2 chance of making it through the end of the year. My grandmother is 92. She's got about a one in two chance of making it to the end of this year. And she's thrilled with that news, by the way. In fact, she just got some really bad news from the doctor. The doctor said, you're going to probably live to be 100. And she, if she could, she would have smacked him. Because she's ready. She's ready to go. Stephen Case, though, says that we all are facing this personal apocalypse. And because of this, there are four stories that every civilization, every person has told themselves about this. The first is the idea that instead of dying, why don't you just not die? This is what he calls the elixir view. Uh, The first emperor of China believed in this. He believed that if he drank this particular elixir that his uh, chemists put together for him each morning, he would live forever. Sadly, it poisoned him, and he died when he was 42. But the elixir view of not dying but living forever in this here body is alive and well in America today. Just look at the biotech industry just go down to uh, uh, Nature's Grocers in Denver or a Whole Foods or uh, go watch people jogging. Everybody's trying to put off death, trying to stay in this body as long as possible. And we're all hoping that one day the geneticists, the physicians, they'll figure out a way to turn off that aging gene. They'll figure out a way to keep us alive forever. Forever. Some of you aren't terribly excited about this view because you don't like what you got. You're kind of like, really, that's the hope of the world. And so that leads to the second story that societies have told themselves throughout human history. And that's the story that Stephen Case calls resurrection, that instead of avoiding death, in fact, you are raised to life in this body after death. That you die, but then you are raised physically from the death. And you may not know this, but this is the view of Jews and Christians and Muslims around the world. That after death, we'll be raised to new life. And that everyone will be raised to new life. It's a question of where they spend that new life. Uh, The Christians would say that we believe that everyone's going to spend eternity somewhere that all will be raised to life, and that some, because of their faith in Jesus, will go to heaven to be with God, and others won't. They will be separated from the love of God forever. This is the traditional teaching of hell. And so, because of this whole notion that, you know, there's scientific inquiry, and we really doubt that uh, resurrection of the body can occur in our world nowadays. There's folks who have Evolve to a more sophisticated view. And that is the view that we have a soul and the soul will continue on after this body dies. This is the third view that a, a lot of civilizations tell themselves, particularly those in Buddhist countries, that after they die, Their body will just decay, it will be no more, but their soul will continue on. And eventually their soul, the goal would be to uh, be gathered up with all the other souls into the collective oneness and just to fade off into nothingness as a soul. And some Hindus would teach that instead of that, our soul gets reincarnated into other bodies, including animals and uh, plant life for some. And that our soul continues on. But the the hope is that as you work out your karma, uh, you will come back and you will be, you know, some of us had a rough shake this life. Maybe next time you'll be Donald Trump and have millions of dollars. Better hair, but millions of dollars. And so the hope is that our soul continues on. But there are those in the modern Western world that go, you know what? Uh, This whole notion of there being a soul, that's just uh, ancient mythology and that's just silliness. I mean, scientifically, we can't prove that there's a soul. If there was a soul that could see, then why can't blind people see? Because their optic nerve or their brain has been damaged in some way. So without the body, the soul can't see. And therefore, maybe there's not a soul. And so scientists argue there's no such thing. And the modern Western view sees that this whole soul talk is ancient history and should be rejected. And so the fourth view that a lot of civilizations and individuals tell themselves is the way to achieve immortality is to leave a legacy. And this is the view of the Epicureans and the Stoics. And that if you can leave a legacy, uh, perhaps by doing something great or amazing, where they will build a statue for you or name an auditorium after you, you can achieve immortality through legacy. Or perhaps you can have children and through your children and through your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren, you can achieve a legacy Of course, if you've ever tried to raise children, you kind of wonder about the wisdom of that sometimes, don't you? Especially teenage years, you're not quite sure. Is this going to be a good legacy or a bad legacy? Where It's a little dicey right now. And quite frankly, there are those who have left a dubious legacy. Hitler comes to mind. Stalin. There are those who have done great things, notable things, but they have been greatly evil. They've left a legacy. You know, I'm a Christian pastor. I'm supposed to tell you that number two is right, right? Yeah, thank you. I'm supposed to tell you that number two is right. In fact, there's a scripture that the Apostle Paul, in 1 Corinthians fifteen seventeen he writes this. The words will be on the screen for you. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ. We are of all people most to be pitied. Philosopher Stephen Case pities us. He pities us because he sees us believing in a fairy tale, in a myth. He sees followers of Jesus being duped. So what's his solution? What's his answer? I love his answer. Because it's what Paul says in this passage. It's biblical. He says, this is all there is. So seize the day. Carpe diem. Eat, drink, and be merry. For tomorrow we die. So, happy Easter. Go have some ham. Don't you just feel full of hope now? I mean, that's what we're going to do later today. Eat, drink, and be merry. But is that really good enough to stake a life on? Is, is that really fulfilling? I mean, what do we do with Hitler and Stalin? What do we do with terrible evil and injustice? In fact, you could argue that they seized the day. They ate, drank, and were merry. You could argue that all of the evil and pain and suffering in this world is absolutely meaningless. So, hey, go eat some ham and eat and drink and be merry. But my guess is none of us find that terribly intellectually satisfying. And even if we find it intellectually satisfying, don't you think that that's spiritually dissatisfying, psychologically dissatisfying? I mean, don't you want there to be something that fixes stuff? Don't you want there to be somebody that sees the 25,000 children that today will die from preventable starvation and says this is wrong? Something should be done. Don't you want somebody that will take the brokenhearted and the grieving and the, the wounded and they will be surrounded and comforted and bound up in love and cared for? Don't you want those who have done horrific, horrible things in this world to get theirs someday? Don't you have a sense of justice that is just not satisfied? Is there an ache in you that eating and drinking and being merry just doesn't quite dull? It doesn't make it Go away. It gnaws at you. Wakes you up at night. The psalmist David said. In a time of great grief in his life. My tears are my food. There are times in life that our crying. Is so deep and profound. That to think you know what. When I wake up in the morning. I'm just going to eat and drink and be merry. For tomorrow I die. You know, why don't you just go around and kick dirt on people? Why don't you just go around and spit in their face? That is so bankrupt of wisdom. The scriptures tell us that if Jesus has risen from the dead, then a couple of significant problems that all civilizations and all people face are fixed. There are sermons going on right now around the world on Easter Sunday. And my guess is there are two primary ones that people are hearing. One is from Pastor Gospel. And he is saying that if you will place your faith in Jesus Christ, you will have life in heaven with God after you die. That if you accept Jesus into your heart, you are saved. You are born again and you will go to heaven to be with God. And I think... That's partially true. But there's more. There's more to that gospel. And there's another pastor, and this is Pastor Smooth Tongue. And Pastor Smooth Tongue, he is telling us that, you know what? We're all moderns nowadays, and this is a great myth. And so let's just take it as a pep talk, and, and let's just all kind of get excited about how, you know, in a spiritual or metaphysical sense that there's hope in this world. And, you know, really didn't happen, but still you can be hopeful, and you're like, what? That was just a bunch of mush. And I think the true gospel, the gospel that Paul preaches in 1 Corinthians 15, where he says at the beginning of this chapter, I love what he says at the beginning of this chapter. He writes 1 Corinthians probably about 20 years after Jesus Christ rises from the dead. And he says this, For what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures and that he appeared. Now, listen to this 20 years since this happened. This would be like writing about something that happened back in the mid 90s. How many of you were alive in the mid 90s? So if I were to write something about Ray in the mid 90s, many of you could say, oh, that happened. Or no, that didn't happen. And Paul is writing about something that happened 20 years prior. And he says, there are people that saw Jesus rise from the dead. People who met him after he died and rose. He says he appeared to Cephas. By the way, Cephas is Peter. He's still alive. You could go ask him, says Paul. And then to the 12, many of which were still alive when Paul wrote this. After that, he appeared to more than how many? 500. He appeared to 500 people brothers and sisters at the same time. This isn't a group hallucination. He appeared to 500 people at the same time, most of whom, get what he says here, most of whom are still living. Like, you want to check it out? I'll give you some names some numbers. Go talk to them. Check them out. You don't have to just listen to me. Listen to them. Like a New Yorker, right? I want to check this out. I want to know this for myself. Most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me, Paul, also, as to one abnormally born. What Paul is doing by saying that is he is establishing that Jesus Christ rose from the dead as a historical fact. This is one thing that philosopher Stephen Case fails to recognize. He fails to recognize that the Christian belief in the resurrection is rooted in history. That we believe as Christians that Jesus Christ physically, literally, historically rose from the dead. And that there is no better explanation for what happened. It is not a blind leap of faith. I have investigated this thing. I believe it. I believe it is the most historically accurate understanding of what happened to Christ. And you know what Paul says? That if he did raise from the dead, it changes everything. It means that there is a power outside of this world that came breaking into the world and raised God from the dead. It tells us that there is a power outside of ourselves, outside of this world, a supernatural power that can reach into our lives and to change us and transform us. And Jesus rising from the dead, the primary motivation in the scriptures in the New Testament is not so that you can accept him as savior and go to heaven. When you die, the primary motivation for Jesus Christ raising from the dead is to proclaim that Jesus is the son of God, that Jesus is the Lord of the universe. And he is now breaking into history to fix things and to make things right. And he wants to start with you. You see, the kingdom of heaven needs subjects. It needs a populace. It needs people who bow the knee to Jesus and say, Lord. It needs people who understand when Jesus says, follow me, it is the call of a king. To lay down their lives and to follow him. It is not a call to just have a check in the box so that you can go to heaven. It is a call to self-denial and to service in the service of King Jesus. And if we as individuals will understand this, and if we will repent of our sins, follow Jesus, be baptized, obey his teachings... Here's the second problem that gets solved in the resurrection of Christ. The world begins to be put to right. You see, he wants to use each of us. This is why maybe you saw in our bulletin that today on Easter, our church for the last several years has decided to give away the offering on Easter Sunday. Because we want to be a community of people who follow King Jesus. And Jesus says, deny yourselves. Jesus says, give to the poor. Give to the needy. And we wish to do that. We wish to be faithful to that calling. And so we give. So every single give offering that you give as you leave or as you came in. We're just going to turn and give it away to those local needs in our community. And we want to be a people that understand that it is about transforming this world because Jesus is renewing this world. And his resurrection from the dead is the first fruits of that power breaking into this world to change it and to renew it. If Jesus rose from the dead, then everything in you must change. If Jesus rose from the dead, then we have to throw off every other lifestyle. We have to throw off every other worldview and follow King Jesus. If Jesus was not raised from the dead, then there is no hope. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die. You see, this is what I love about the gospel. It is a hard edge. It cuts marrow and muscle and tendon and ligament. It is like a, a surgeon's scalpel. And there is no way... Around it. Either Jesus historically rose from the dead. Or he didn't. So what say you? What say you? And not just in this moment. Because you know. uh, Stephen Case would also remind us. That when you have contemplated your death for a moment. Then you are far more likely to respond to an evangelical message. In other words he's saying I'm manipulating you. And I wouldn't say in this moment, what say you? Because oh yeah, I've been thinking about this, and I'm freaking out, and I'm going to die, and what am I going to do? And ah, uh, yeah, resurrection, sure, that sounds good. I'll do it. I mean, tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, six months from now, when, when you're not sitting around contemplating your death, and you're getting up in your everyday ordinary life, going to work, going to the concerts and the shows and being busy and raising children and trying to make a living and struggling through life and everything is just kind of either going well or not going so well. Uh, What say you then? Because if Jesus Christ did rise from the dead, you must throw off every other lifestyle and every other worldview and follow Christ. It is the hard edge of the gospel. Either he rose and there's hope and there is power from outside breaking in to change things. Or he did not rise and there is no hope. And all things will just vanish. Which narrative will you follow? Which narrative will inform your life? Which narrative will you live each day? my hope and prayer is that you will be com- so convinced that Jesus Christ rose from the dead that it will change everything about you and that through you through us through those people called the church who are following Jesus it will change everything about ray and it will spread and change everything In this world, let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that uh, you have preserved these words for us from the Apostle Paul, who is bold enough to say that there are people who saw this, there are people that you could talk to. How easy of a thing this would have been to dispute. And yet Paul had the audacity to say he appeared to 500 at one time. Go talk to them. And I pray, Father, for those who are skeptics today who are wondering about these four stories we tell ourselves about death. I pray that the light of the gospel and of Jesus Christ would break in and they would see Christ in new and profound ways that each of us would experience Easter personally, that we would come to know Jesus Christ as the risen Savior and King. More than that, I pray that the resurrection would change everything about us and our lives, that we would place our hope in the resurrection for our loved ones who have fallen asleep, that we would place hope in the resurrection for ourselves when This life ends. That we would now work to transform this world. Just as the Lord's prayer says, may it be on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus, thank you for your work on the cross. Thank you for rising from the dead. Help us in our unbelief to believe this and to follow you. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Christ the Lord is risen today. Alleluia. Amen.